Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast. In paranormal news today, we have the report that mass extinction of Earth has begun. Even more worrying, it's finding out major studies by the International Union for Conservative of Nature, the IUCN, Red List of Threatened Species of BirdLife International, which found that the Earth may be on the brink of mass extinction. Worldwide, it is thought that more than 500 species of land animals are close to extinction and could be lost within the next 20 years. This report was published in Scientific Journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences and studied that 29,000 species of land vertebrate. They estimated that the number of extinctions expected in the next two decades would likely take thousands of years, but it's not for negative impact of humanity. So that is the new segment for this episode of the Say What Again, Billy. And that came from Scary Dose. You can find Scary Dose on Instagram at Scary Dose, D-O-Z-E, not D-O-S-E. And for this episode, we are going to be taking on a subject that we haven't talked about yet. And that's in regards to witches. And the most infamous place in regards to witches, it would be Salem, Massachusetts, a place that I have been to in the past with my family. I've gone to many family vacations with my family, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and Salem, Massachusetts. But in order to go through this episode, I had to take on and introduce a basically an expert to Salem, Massachusetts. And it's a good friend of mine, someone that I graduated with many years ago, Veronica Basha. Welcome to the Say What Again Billy podcast. Hey, Billy, how's it going? How's it going? So this is uh, your first time on a podcast? Uh, yep, this is my first time on a podcast. Well, this podcast is very, uh, very new, so don't don't be too nervous because uh, we have, uh, we're trying to get our listenership up, but you are the expert in this subject, so it's actually good that you're on, so you could show people that you know what you're talking about within the paranormal and this particular subject of Salem, Massachusetts. So I actually wanted to start with what is, what is, um, interest you so much about Salem, Massachusetts? I see that you go there quite frequently. I, I have been there quite frequently. Um, you know, uh, the novelty of it is what I guess initially sparked me to go there, but each and every time I go, I go on a different tour, I learn a little bit more. Um, I like the stores, they're cute, and I like that now, you know, a place that, you know, has denounced witchcraft has kind of opened up spiritually for people that believe in, you know, spiritual things. Is Salem, Massachusetts, one of the places that offers multiple ghost tours throughout Salem, like Gettysburg? Oh, for does? sure. Yeah, definitely. There's tons of them. There's like tons to choose from. Uh, Salem night tours, ghost tours. Uh, they got witch tours. They got vampire tours. They got historic tours. All day, so, every day. So, with your interest in Salem, did you? T- and I know you like the aspect of the paranormal and witches. That's a common mm-hmm. interest that we both share. But do you actually enjoy the historical part of Salem as well? I do. Um, I do. It's, it's a pretty sad story um, that I think was uh, kind of manufactured. The hysteria was manufactured by like greed. Um, but uh, I, I do enjoy going. But historically, it's a pretty, pretty messed up story. Yeah, most, most historical places do have these uh, really bad stories. It's not to sugarcoat. Uh, history does have a lot of, you know, morbid and negative you know, news in regards to places more than positive, you know, the positivity usually comes years and years after, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a person that visited Gettysburg on more than one occasion. 
that's like basically my sale of Massachusetts and the historics of it is something that is, you know, it's, it's, it's sad what happened and the events that happened. And, uh, you know, Salem, I, I do know some history to it, not as much as you, but I know Salem, the, the stories and the history is very sad. What happened to these basically innocent women? Yeah. And you know, there's, there's a lot of history there that people don't even realize that may not even have anything to do with the witch trials. Um, you know, that may lead to like ghost stories and paranormal. Um, people don't realize like even with the, like the native Americans, um, that were there before. So there's, there's like a lot inter interweaven with the history of Salem. So I'm actually not too privy with some of the history to Salem. I actually more, I'm more focused <laughs> when I visited Salem in the past, more to the ghosts and the paranormal. So mm. why don't, why don't we start with some of the the history on what led to the people of Salem accusing innocent women of, of witchcraft. Okay. Well, um, there was over 200 people accused, 30, uh, found guilty, 19 were executed, 14 women, five men and two dogs, uh, were killed, uh, out of being accused of witchcraft. Dogs? Dogs. Yeah. Two dogs were killed. Um, so the trials took place within uh, the Massachusetts Bay Colony uh, named Salem, which at the time was Salem Town, which is modern Salem, and Salem Village, which is technically modern day uh, Danvers. So people don't realize, they think that everything happened right, you know, in the town of Salem that we know. But a lot of these people were from like the surrounding towns like Ipswich and uh, Dan- Danvers, even Boston. Um, but uh, basically how it started, there was uh, afflicted girls. Um, and it's worth noting that before any of this happened, the year before in October, the Reverend, uh, Reverend Paris at the time, had been preaching about a satanic conspiracy against him and his church over conflict over whether uh, the church's ministers should be paid. So I think that that was kind of planting a seed, um, a seed of greed, really, in my opinion. Um, you know, that, you know, he, he's preaching about, about a satanic conspiracy against him. And it's really, it comes down to the fact that, um, the only people that could vote at that time too were landowners and church congregation. So if you start to put, um, doubt in like the people of the town, you can kind of guarantee voting and land, if that makes sense. It does. Uh, so I, I guess January of, um, the beginning in January, there was a petition regarding like Salem's independence, um, and whether or not Salem village residents should be taxed for, uh, or Salem town residents should be taxed for Salem, uh, village expenses. And I think this is kind of what set everything into motion. This was January of what, of what year do you recall? Uh, 1691. Okay. Um, so it started when Betty Paris, the Reverend's daughter and her cousin, Abigail started complaining about like strange ailments. Um, and according to Tichuba, who, um, was, uh, like the live in maid, I guess you can say she was a Caribbean live in maid at the time. Um, to the Reverend. Yes. Uh, her later testimony, uh, she said she also experienced visions of the devil and witches. Um, but it is important to note that a lot of the movements and behaviors that these uh, afflicted girls claim to have came from a book that happened to be in the Reverend's 
personal library. Uh, so that's, you know, that's a little interesting to me. Uh, it was called uh, Memorable Providences Relating to Witchcrafts and, Pos- and Possessions, written by Reverend uh, Cotton Mather. So this okay. is something that is in their library that they could potentially have access to, that they could be the ailments that they found in this book, if that makes sense. Yes. Uh, so they start, you know, convulsing. They have all these these ailments. They get a doctor in. The doctor can't figure out what's wrong with them and ultimately diagnoses their uh, ailments as, quote unquote, evil hand. So like the next day or maybe a day or two later, um, one of the neighbors, her name is Mary Sibley. She suggests to uh, Tichuba that they make a cake made from rye meal and the afflicted Karen to feed a dog, because this is what's going to help them figure out uh, who put this curse on them, because obviously it must be a curse, uh, you know. So they end up getting worse, and now they claim that it's Tichuba's fault. So, um, sorry if I pause. It, 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 no, it's like, okay. It's like, it's so dense. There's like so much that goes on, and there's so many people that were involved um, so yeah, you Betty, don't have to go, you don't have to go too, too in depth. Cause I, I know that the history is so, is so vast when it comes to that. So they basically wanted to accuse this, this maid. Right. Right. And you know, this is Reverend, this Reverend's daughter and niece, um, at the time. So, um, then, then you also have the neighbors, uh, who are also getting afflicted and Putnam and Elizabeth Hubbard, Hubbard. So now they start pointing fingers and they're, they're basically just um, the initial people to get arrested were, were Tichuba, Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne. They were taken in. They were checked for witch marks because if you had a mole or anything suspicious, then obviously you were a witch. Um, Tichuba, Tichuba confesses. She says that she was, you know, confronted by like talking rats, that she spoke to the devil. And she says that Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne are witches. And there's witches all over the town. Um, it's interesting to note that she's really the only one that, that confessed. Um, some people say she confessed specifically because she was beaten into submission by the Reverend. Um, but she was uh, the first person to be uh, questioned, but ultimately one of the only people that was spared from the beginning of it. Do you she think that's getting- because she do you think that's because she confessed? Um, yes, I do. I do think it's because she, she confessed. And I think she did have a deal with the, um, the reverend who was going to eventually pay for her to get out of jail, but she ended up recanting her confession. Um, she ultimately got out anyway, but, um, along the story, um, they start accusing more and more people and Putnam accuses Martha Corey, the famous Giles Corey's wife. Um, and shortly after, Abigail Williams accuses Rebecca Nurse of trying, her, uh, make, trying to make her sign the devil's book, uh, even goes as far as to say uh, many of these people say they saw scepters, basically these people who were separated from their body. And the way that they uh, proved that the way that they proved that this meant that they were evil is that, you know, a scepter couldn't take on an innocent person. So like they basically had it coming, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, John Proctor, who happened to be a successful land and business owner, 
um, eventually publicly denounces these girls and alludes to the whole thing being a scam. So naturally, a few days later, his wife is now accused of witchcraft. Um, mm. And he's, he's, you know, he, he owned a bar at the time. He had a lot of land. Um, I think a lot of this was really a grab for the land. Um, yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, a lot of it seems like it was like a grand for the land. So um, that April, people started signing petitions in regard to, um, you know, John Proctor. He, he ultimately got arrested, too. But petitions in, in regard to their innocence. Um, Rebecca Nurse might have been the one that, that triggered him to speak out because she was like an upstanding member of society. And at that point, they were like, this is getting like ridiculous. So Rebecca Nurse's sister, she tries to, to um, defend her. Immediately, she's accused of being a, a witch as well. Um, so, you know, you defend somebody, you're accused of being a witch. Um, now, the person that, uh, that accused Rebecca uh, Nurse's sister um, Mary Warren actually ad- ended up admitting that she lied about her accusation, but then a week later says she really was telling the truth. So this is like really like all, I want to say like a big conspiracy with the, with the town's children and th- these town's children belong to, uh, you know, prominent men of the time. So it, it's just, it, it's, it's a little much. Um yeah. Who would get the land from the people that were accused and, and basically off? Was it the, the, the reverend or the government? The state would get it, but only if they got a confession. Only if they got a confession. So that was a big thing in um in the story of Giles Corey, because he refused to give a plea because he knew if he pled that his family would no longer be provided for. Um so he was the one that they they pressed to death essentially just putting a, a plaque over him and then little by little adding rocks. putting rocks on it. Right. Yeah. And like the famous quote associated with him is more weight. Um, the sheriff that was putting the weight, Sheriff George Corwin, um, was even said to have stood on it, like in an attempt to get a, a confession from him. This went on for three days until he ultimately died. And there's some confusion. There's like controversy over whether his last words were, more weight or if his last words were i curse you salem i curse you and salem uh this actually did spark an idea that there was a curse on um on corman and his family and if you look into it uh he ended up dying four years later at the age of 30 from a heart attack and they started looking back in the 90s after um one of the the last sheriffs of salem had like unexplained blood issues and heart issues. And he ended up retiring and moving to Florida. But when they looked back, they saw that every sheriff had had some sort of blood issue or some sort of heart issue and ultimately move, moved um, the sheriff's office from Salem. And to this day, there is not, there's a, a sheriff, there's a Salem sheriff's office, but it is not located in, in Salem. I do recall hearing that what you just said right there about this curse and people having these issues and moving the office. That is one thing. I just actually forgot if it was a male or female that was the one that said the uh, I curse you Salem um, mm. to, to spark this this curse. And I remember when I did go to Salem, um, 
I remember this this being talked about and uh, on one of the tours that I took um, within Salem. Um, so, but obviously, you broke it down a lot better than I would have. Oh well, thank you, thank you. I mean, you know, this is and and it's a lot of it's debatable too because you know you're looking at a lot of de- uh, dense material and like you know it's hearsay. You know, were his last words more weight? Like we know he said it, but was that his last words or was, were his last words? I curse you. Said we don't really know. See the, um, but- the problem, the thing with with history too is, and it's it's hard to really get exact quotes and things that have happened right from so many years ago because it's just like who was around to document this and when you document things usually as time progresses on it's rewritten down somewhere and that's how right. documents in in history is preserved but i always say in, in especially in regards to like the bible is that this it's a big game of telephone. And if you play yeah. telephone, eventually the words that were originally said will get misconstrued and, and then be completely different years down the line. Right. Right. Um, I noticed that too, with, you know, there's like uh, discrepancies, even with the town jail, um, because there's a, the Salem town jail uh, has like a lot of history of like ghosts and even people that were there, but people, and it's now um, uh a luxury apartment, but it's not actually the jail from the Salem witch trials. That's actually a, a different colonial building, like a couple of blocks down. So people think that they're visiting the, the old Salem jail, but they're, they're visiting an old Salem jail, but not the, you know, old Salem jail. Right. Um, so it's interesting. Yeah. A lot of things get, get kind of mixed up in translation, uh, which yeah, is to be in regards to buildings like that, that, that that's happened in Gettysburg. People think they're actually standing in particular so, as spots where, you know, Abraham Lincoln had stood to give the Gettysburg address. And you're not really there, you know, per se, until you talk to an actual historian that will tell you, yeah, this is the jail, but not the jail. You know what I mean? So right. people, people do get things very confused. Right. Um, I wanted to ask you how much paranormal activity goes on in Salem to this day based off these witch trials? Well, there's a lot of alleged, um, there is a lot of uh, alleged uh, paranormal activity. Um, My favorite, well, I was going to say my favorite that I I experienced that I felt wasn't actually a part of the witch trials at all. It stands right in the center of center, but it really had nothing to do with it. Um, uh, But, okay, so the Joshua Ward house, for example, is said to be the most haunted house in Salem. Um, The house itself now was built in like 1784, but it was built on the land that once belonged to George Corwin. And supposedly he um, conducted his, um, used his basement to torture the accused. Um, He was also said to steal from the accused and even sued, um, by someone who went as far as saying that he was going to get his body as revenge. So some people say that uh, he had himself buried there uh, in effort to not have his body, but that, that can't be proven. But uh, you know, because he, they actually found out that he was built in his own tomb, but it doesn't stop people from believing that Corwin does haunt that home. Um, Many people that have been there have had experiences, you know, the normal um, disembodied voices and the cold patches, 
But one thing common around a lot of the haunted places in Salem is the feeling of being choked or strangled. Um, that's like one of the number one uh, things that people experience when they go to places like uh, the Joshua Ward house um, and also the witch house. Uh, pretty much most of the places that, that are haunted, people do experience, you know, the cold patches, but a lot of them claim to feel as if, as if they're being strangled or choked, which does make sense considering, you know, the way that the people died there. Yeah. So, so the witches were basically, um, taken care of in what way were they burned alive or they were hung no they were all they were all hung with the exception of um giles Corey. uh they were hung um uh most of them were hung uh, a few uh, most of them were hung on a tree in proctor's ledge um which was previously they previously thought that um they were hung on gallows hill but that was disproved later on because i guess it was too much of a dip and when they look back at recounts of the salem witch trials um people were able to see it from their houses so uh ultimately i think in like 2010 they ultimately decided that they were um that they were hung on proctor's ledge rather than gallows hill Right, because so they, um, they wanted to make an example of the witches where everyone would be able to visibly see it. So going through time, they probably said this is not the right location. Right, exactly. Um, That's, you know, yeah. and there's a lot of talk too, like about the, the, the cemeteries, which may, you know, very well be haunted and have had a lot of paranormal activity. But people assume that these people are buried there. Um, these witches, alleged witches, they were killed and put in like mass graves. Um, nobody wanted to touch them because you you weren't supposed to touch a witch. So after they were killed, the, the families weren't allowed to bury them. They'd have to like sneak in the middle of the night and grab grab them and have a secret burial in like an unmarked spot. So, um, you know, there is a lot of uh, historic graves and, you know, in the cemetery and a lot of people are actually built where, where they're built. But most of the people aren't built where uh, buried where they think they're buried. If that makes sense. Right. That's that does make sense because a lot of these places, uh, there's a there's a place that we investigated uh with my ghost group in Sparta Cemetery where a it's a tale from the Hudson Valley of a, a leather man walking up and down from Salem not Salem, sorry, Salem, um from Rhode Island all the way to Jersey. And he passed passed by Sleepy Hollow quite sometimes and within Sleepy Hollow there's Sparta Cemetery. And this leather man would go to a local bar there and they'd call him the leather man because his skin was so dry and ashy from being out in the cold. And apparently mm. when he did pass away, he was apparently buried in Sparta Cemetery. But there's no confirmed, you know, evidence that he was buried there. But, you know, we went to investigate Sparta Cemetery um, for that for that claim. Um, we did find some crazy evidence within the, the cemetery on both occasions that we went. But it just it's a comparison to people thinking some, someone is buried in a certain spot but they're really not right right what how, how much of the you know we see the witches on halloween the costumes we see the tv shows like we've seen the classic movie hocus pocus which took mm -hmm. place in salem that we'll, we'll get to in a minute but how much which you know what we see in when we say the word witch how much of that comes from the history of salem massachusetts I mean, you know, the, I guess 
it comes from, I guess, the demonization of, of the idea of witches in general. Um, but, you know, obviously these, these were people, you know, normal women. I mean, there's like one that, you know, was accused of witchcraft because she, you know, her husband came home late and she smacked him, you know, upside the head. You know, she wasn't walking around with the moles on her nose and a big hat. And, um, you know, some people really, you know, had no they weren't healers they weren't you know people that that used herbs to right these to were falsely accused falsely accused people. women yeah right well, and men you know and men, men and that men. stood up for their wives right so but even though they and were was... innocent the 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 imagery that was portrayed like towards them even though it was totally false how much of that do you think that we see now when we see the word witch came from those false claims of how they shaped them out to be? I feel like they shaped them out to be scary because they want us to kind of look at them in a certain way. Um, you know, if, if we look at them in that way, it kind of dehumanizes them and then we don't feel as bad for, you know, doing what murder. we did. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, witches go just, you know, when we talk about witches in the United States, if you're privy to paranormal, you think about Salem, Massachusetts, but there's witch tales and folklore all around the world from Mexico to mm-hmm. um, to Europe, where in Ireland and even in England. But in speaking here in, in the United States, Salem, Massachusetts is basically like the capital of when you think of witch, we think of Salem, Massachusetts. Right. Yeah. So the the Salem, Massachusetts area actually used a house. And this is I'm bringing this up because Hocus Pocus is one of the, you know, iconic Halloween movies, in my opinion. When you have Christmas, you think about whatever movie, whether it be Elf or Home Alone. And when I think about Halloween and turning on the TV to watch something, I always think about Hocus Pocus. So I actually wanted to ask you the story that Disney came up with or whoever wrote Hocus Pocus, because I know Disney is the one that has the rights and it's Mm -hmm. a Disney movie. How much of the Hocus Pocus movie had some truth to it? Because there are, even though it's a fictitious movie, sometimes there's bits and pieces that get taken from actual history and portrayed in the movie. How much of that Hocus Pocus movie was actually somewhere along the lines of factual? I heard you mention a book and in the Hocus Pocus movie, the book, there is a book, you know? so There is a book. Yeah, how I much think, of it was actually factual from, you know, I from mean, the... I could be wrong, but maybe just that, you know, there were no, um, there were no Sanderson sisters. Um, the house that they lived in, um, you know, in, in Salem Village, uh, Salem Pioneer Village, that, you know, it was constructed to look like it was in the 1600s, wasn't erected until 1930s. It wasn't actually a real place. Um when you, you know, say, the, when you say when you say lived in, was it the the family? Um, oh um, no, no, the witches, the witches, the witches. where okay. the witches lived. Yeah, it it wasn't actually a real place. They weren't actually real people. Um, you know, I mean, the idea of it, I'm sure, came from somewhere, but uh, as <laughs> to my knowledge, there was no um, nothing about the. I mean, I guess the children, like getting the children, because the children were the ones afflicted. But to be fair, they did accuse a four-year-old girl of witchcraft who was arrested, um, you know, for witchcraft. So uh, as far as like how much of that is true, I don't, I want to say none of it, aside from the idea that there was a, a, a devil's book. 
Right. So say. the book. So the talk, yeah, I, I just always ask that because in some paranormal movies, even though they're, you know, fiction, science fiction, and we we do see in some movies some bits and pieces of what is actually like some truth. I did an episode with Ghostbusters and some of the tools they used. And we, me and a friend, a guest compared the tools that the Ghostbusters use from the movie. And obviously the movie is entirely false and fake. We, there were some things that were similar to actual ghost hunting equipment. So I just oh, yeah. wanted to a- ask you, you know, from the, the movie Hocus Pocus, you know, along the lines. Because, you know, there is a scene where they're hung and they cast this curse. If the black flame candles lit, they come back. And there is a book, you know, that's literally right. called book in the movie. So I just wanted to get, you know, your professional opinion. <laughs> My on, professional. Uh, Someone's going to come back to you and they're going to be like, you said she was an expert. She said the Hocus Pocus wasn't real. And she's wrong, and here's why. I really, no. I really hope. <laughs> no, well, you know what? When you talk about paranormal, you know, there's there, there's people that are considered on shows that I watch, cryptozoologists and things like that. And crypt, cryptids are not actual proven animals, and they, they call themselves, crypt, you know, cryptozoologists. And right. when you see these shows on TV, you, there's, you know, they, they're on speaking, and they're paranormal, they're labeled as paranormal investigator or, you know, in, in the paranormal world, parapsychologist, that's actually a thing you go to school for and become a parapsychologist or a psychologist and branch mm-hmm. off to it. So when I, someone knows their stuff, like you know your stuff about Salem, I consider you a professional. And that's why you were on the show today helping me out with this episode because I consider you a professional. So um, if people were to go to Salem, Massachusetts, what are some of the spots you recommend if they want to have a paranormal experience? Um, I would say to check out the Pickman house, the Samuel Pickman house. Uh, I personally went there. Um, you know, the first time I went, uh, they were, you know, I went on a ghost tour and they were telling stories and I'm snapping pictures and the story that they told, I never heard again um, until I never heard it again on the tour, believe it or not. But it was one of my favorites because I actually, I sent the picture I sent you, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess will make more sense if you hear the story, but the legend says that shortly after, uh, Samuel Pickman and his wife and his seven-year-old daughter moved into the home. Um, and this is before the Salem witch trials. This is like, this is the house that was built in 1664. The father's health, uh, mental health started to deteriorate and he started getting, a little crazier and crazier. And he started claiming that there were demons in his home. Um, he started getting angry and violent. Um, and he ultimately went insane. He changed his, he changed his daughter up in the attic, leaving her starving alone and living in her own feces. And when his wife would plead with him, you know, to, to feed the daughter, let the daughter out. He ultimately got so frustrated with her that he tied her to a tree outside went back inside, boiled hot wax um, on an old cast iron pot and poured it over her head, killing her before he went inside and hung himself. Um, so this is like kind of like a dark story and it really has nothing to do with, with Salem, but there are a lot of accounts of people, you know, taking pictures at the, um, at the Pickman Pick house, the house and, mm-hmm. uh, and seeing um, seeing things in the window. It's interesting though, because when I went, I went, I think I went like 2011, I took a picture. I didn't see it until I got home and it really scared me. Like it really, it disturbed me because it looked like a sick girl in the picture that I sent you. 
Yeah, um, I did look at ev- it and I saw the face right away. Yeah, some people don't see it, but I, I see it and it like it, it really rubs me the wrong way. But you know, the, you know, the, eat- there's there's a science to it that I've discussed on other episodes. It's called matrixing, where your 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 brain is so in tune since you're born to pick up a face that mm. when you look at certain things like clouds or even tree, you know, trees where people think they see, you know, religious figures, your right. brain will compute a face because that is what you're in tune to seeing since you were born. Now, with this particular picture that you sent me earlier, you didn't give me the information about it and you didn't tell me where to look before right. I before I responded to you right away. I see it. And then you went and said, you know, uh, what it was and now you elaborated on the podcast. But if you see something right away without someone saying something to you, then there yeah. might be actually something there. That's why when I get videos and photos, I... I think I actually sent you something. I was like, I gave you the backstory, but I says, did you see it? You know, let, tell me what you saw. And then you responded. So I always like to send something ahead of time, give the backstory, right. but not tell people what's right. in it, you know? And I saw the picture you sent me from this Pikmin house. I saw, I did see this right away. You know, and it's not like, you know, it's not like, oh, I saw Mary tree that we had where people saw yeah. the, the right it wasn't my like group, i saw my group investigated this i have oh, pictures that, from there that's great i i chose those and but those days it was disposable cameras and god knows what happened to it i think um, I, still I would love to see photos. that i think i still have these photos somewhere in my room or in my mom's garage but i we did investigate that tree yes we did I, I, oh i would love to hear about that but um you know it's not like you know you saw a face in a tree like in the window you see a, a girl with blonde hair you see her eyes, and I don't know what's coming out of her mouth or what's going on with her mouth, but I could see her eyes. I could see her hair. It looks like she has bangs. It looks like she's blonde, you know, like it, it, it's just, it's very interesting to me, but if, with, I've with, seen it too. With your permission, I, I will post that to the IG for this episode um, so that people can see it. If with yeah. your permission. I'll yeah, post that. it. Post yeah, it. I'll, you know, it, it's interesting. When I went last year, I went, I tried to compare because I took pictures when I went uh, last October and that window is no longer exposed. There's a shade behind it. So when you take pictures of the window, there's like a curtain. You can't see inside anymore. So I don't know if there's significance to that, but when I took the picture, you know, you could, I mean, you can't, in the reflection in the picture, you can't see inside the house. But at that time, you were able to see inside um, the Pikmin house. Now, so, so when you yeah. took this photo, the curtains were not there. But now you say when you went back, there's curtains there to so stop yeah. people from seeing in. Right. And this is a, this is a historical bill, uh, house, correct? Mm-hmm. It's the oldest so, standing structure. I mean, um, so, so no one lives yeah. in there. It's, it's just, no. just a place. A place and it's not visit. open to the public. You can't go in. Oh, really? Yeah. So yeah, it's totally just taken care of by people that take care of it and you can't go in yep. there. There's no, there's no tours, no nothing. No, no, nothing. Wow. That's, that's unfortunate though, too, because you would think that they would, you know, have some people come in there. Um, the Van Cortland mansion in Van Cortland park is uh, a place that my group investigated and me and a group member went and went in there. We were allowed permission to go in there when no one else was there. We called the head, told them we were a paranormal research group. They were all about it. Um, and you're able to go into this mansion, which that's for another story, but that Oh, maybe whole- you can go in there now. And, you know, don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. Because you know what? There was a, it was COVID. There was a long line. So I don't want to say you can't go in, but I, c- I couldn't go in. 
yeah, we, I, I, I would, I'm going to check that out, but that's something hopefully in the future, whenever this pandemic decides to stop with that, something that would, would be able to have access to. I'm pretty sure if a paranormal group that had a lot of clout went and called them up there, someone oh. would meet up and let them in to investigate that. Cause that seems like a pretty uh, reputable sure. place to investigate. Yeah, I'm sure. So do you plan on going back to Salem uh, this September or October? Uh, you know, it was, um, may- yeah, probably it's like an annual thing. It was a little, it was a little harder to get around last year. I mean, because you know what, it's usually so packed anyway and everything you want to see and you want to go in the places and, uh, you know, there's usually lines and things like that. But now with like all the COVID re- regulations last year, it was like most of the time was spent on lines. It wasn't like a couple of years ago when you could, you know, make a weekend out of it and see everything. You know, yes, you, yeah, you can make a weekend out of it. You you still can't. When I um, went to Salem myself, in it was it was August, and it was um, I would say two thousand three, uh, two thousand two. Um, we went during the summer month, and you know, got to see a lot of stuff. Got to do some ghost tours, but that's not really the time that people, you know, tourists like to go because they were, you know, they they have the association with witches in Salem for you know September October. So I was able to see a lot of things, but with the environment being very hot. Yeah, yeah. I, I went in a, in August, too. And, you know, you would think it would be dead, but there were there's still people walking around. There's still, you know, people dressed up in costume and uh, still stuff to say. Yeah, that's that's a place where, you know, there's a lot of, like I said, history and paranormal stories that that come from there. So when you're into that subject, and especially into history, people tend to visit you know, that spot, regardless of the month or the season, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But Veronica, this was an excellent episode. We are about to get to that minute mark where we uh, come to a close, but I would like to thank you for joining me and talking some Salem, Massachusetts, uh, historics and paranormal activity. I, I was going to do this episode and I couldn't think of anyone else I would like to have on, but you, cause I see that that's a place that you like to go to. And I knew you would be privy to the subject. So I, you know, I want to thank you. I hope that I did it justice. I really do. I'm sure there's you did. Uh, you did a great job. Thank you. You did. You did a great job. And um, you know, in the future, I hope that you have your podcast come come about. You know, you did some talks to it about it, so I, I wanted to give you some clout. So in the future, when you get your podcast up and going, I, I will definitely help promote that because you know you're very knowledgeable to, to the subject as you know, like just like myself. Thank you. Thank you. Well, if you have any questions about New Age spirituality or uh, modern day witches without moles and hats. Uh, I can help you with that too. Oh, that'd be a hundred percent. Would like to have you come back on to the uh, podcast uh, in the future for different episodes. One hundred percent. So you heard Veronica. She has ideas, and she might be getting a podcast idea in the future. And that brings me to thanking the Anchor app, which is what I use to have the Say What Again Billy podcast. And if you haven't heard about the Anchor app, it is the free app that allows you to get your podcasting out idea out there to the world. It gives you all the tools you need and you can use your phone, tablet, and or computer to get your podcasting idea out there. And that is the Anchor app completely free. The Say What Again Billy, the Say What Again Billy podcast can be heard on Spotify, Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and many other outlets. Thank you, Anchor. Thank you, Veronica, for being on the show today. And this has been another episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast.